Welcome into the Focused on Fenway podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Sit back and relax as I update you on everything going on in the world of Red Sox baseball from Boston and beyond. Please be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Focused on Fenway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome into another exciting episode of Focused on Fenway. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Locke. I study journalism at Auburn University, and I also serve as the co-sports director of Auburn's student-run radio station, Weagle, 91.1 FM. The Red Sox have really just kind of... They're in a confusing place. Like, playoffs, probably gone. Winning division's been gone since, like, July. Just being real. So... In this episode, we're going to recap the three games the Red Sox played against the Rays earlier this week, and then the three games that the Red Sox played against the Orioles um, this weekend, and then we're going to close out the show by previewing the two games coming up against the Yankees, and then the three games coming up against Kansas City. I'm kind of changing up the format a little bit here, as now that I'm back at Auburn, been back for a few weeks, um... School is really starting to pick up, as well as my responsibilities with Weagle. So I don't have the time, most just Wednesdays or Thursdays when most series end, to do two shows a week. So I'm just, from now on, probably just going to be doing one, like, longer one on, like, Saturday or Sunday through the rest of the year because of Auburn football season or college football season as a whole, probably mainly Sunday. Because once the Patriots and the Saints games are over on Sunday, I don't typically have anything else to do. So it's just the day that works best to do them. Um, also, Friday afternoons have proven to be pretty good. So just keep keep on the lookout for my social medias when I'll... I always announce when I um, upload a new episode, so just stay tuned there. And I'll update you there on what my plans are, as well as... Um, just kind of what to expect, what's going to change. I've got some cool stuff planned for the off season. I'm playing just a series, an in-depth Red Sox history series. Um, I know it's been told a lot, but I'm thinking about just doing an hour show on the history of the curse of the Great Bambino. It's always fun to talk about now that it's in hindsight. So, like I said, stay tuned for all that. And for now, let's just get right into some Red Sox baseball. So on Monday night, the Red Sox lost to the Tampa Bay Rays by a score of 4-3. to three. Um, Michael Waka pitched for the Red Sox, and he still avoided taking his um, second loss of the year, I believe, which is awesome. He pitched six innings, giving up seven hits, two runs, no walks, and striking out seven. So a very good day there. He probably could have... Well, he probably could have won, but, you know, just things don't always go according to plan. For the Rays, it was Luis Patino. He pitched five innings, giving up five hits, three runs, walking three, and striking out four. Um, Calvin Foucher ended up winning the game for the Rays off of one inning, pitched, no runs, striking out two, and walking two, and... Jerus Familia ended up taking the loss for the Red Sox despite just pitching a third of an inning, allowing two runs. And then Pete Fairbanks got his fifth save of the year for Tampa Bay. 
in the ninth inning. He didn't give up any runs, and he struck out two. So just kind of looking at the scoring, Alex Verdugo got this series started off good with a solo shot to right field in the top of the first inning. The Red Sox, or excuse me, the Rays responded right away in the bottom of the first as Ramirez singled to right center, which scored Margot. Then the Red Sox took a, they put up two more in the top of the third as Raphael Devers singled to center, which scored Tommy Pham. And then Trevor Story doubled the deep left, which scored Alex Verdugo. And we'll, we'll talk about this in length today, but Trevor Story's been on a tear. And then in the bottom of the fifth, Randy Rosarena hit a double to deep left, which scored Siri. And then Margot doubled to deep right in the bottom of the seventh, which scored Brujan to tie the game. And then Peralta hit a double to right field in the bottom of the seventh, which scored Margot and put the uh, Rays up four to three. And that was all the scoring in game one. So moving ahead to game two, uh, the, Red, the Rays took this one eight to four. Um, Rich Hill started for the Red Sox, which I love Rich Hill, but sorry to say, it's just kind of been a little bit of a recipe for disaster lately. He pitched four innings, giving up nine hits, five runs, walking one, and striking out three. On the other side for the Rays, JT Chargoy started. He only pitched two innings, giving up two hits, two runs, no walks, and striking out one. Garrett Clevenger ended up winning for the Rays. He only pitched two innings, no runs, three strikeouts, and one walk. And Rich Hill um, took the loss for the Red Sox. So... I knew the Red Sox were in trouble from the start in this one when in the bottom of the first inning, Randy Rosarena hit a three-run homer, also scoring Diaz and Margot. But the Red Sox showed some fight in the top of the second as Tristan Casas homered to right, which also scored Christian Arroyo. Then in the bottom of the third, Ramirez singled to left, which scored Margot and Rosarena and put the Rays up 5-2. to two. Bethancourt homered to left in the bottom of the sixth to put the Rays up 6-2. to two. Chang home to left in the bottom of the sixth to put the Rays up 7-2. And Miha doubled the right center, which scored Arozarena in the bottom of the seventh and put the Rays up 8-2. But the Red Sox went down swinging as Tommy Pham homered to center, which also scored McGuire in the top of the eighth. But the Red Sox ended up taking the 8-4 loss. Then the Rays finished up the sweep on Wednesday, winning the game 1-0. Nick Pavetta started this one. He pitched five innings, giving up two hits, one run, walking three, and striking out three. It was Jeffrey Springs pitching for the Rays. He pitched three innings, giving up one hit, no runs, one walk, and striking out two. Um, Yanni Chirinos ended up winning the game for the Rays. He pitched three innings, no runs, four strikeouts, and one walk. Pavetta ended up taking the loss. And once again, Pete Fairbanks um, got a save, his sixth of the year for the Rays, as he pitched one inning, giving up no runs, striking out two, and walking one. So kind of looking at this one, the only scoring that happened was Walls reaching on an infield single to shortstop, which scored Mia in the bottom of the fifth, and that was all the Rays needed to win. The Red Sox didn't score a single run, despite having six hits in that one. So I hate when good pitching slash defense is wasted because the team just cannot produce anything. Like, those are my least favorite games. Like, those are the most frustrating to watch. They're just, they're just really aggravating. 
because you know the team's right there. They could have done something, but it just didn't work out. But anyway, we're going to step away for a second. When we come back, we're going to recap the series against the Orioles that the Red Sox took two out of three of. So don't go anywhere. Are you a fan of mixed martial arts? If so, I have the place for you. Brawl Talk MMA is one of the best places to go for interviews with fighters, fight predictions, recaps, and so much more. Brawl Talk MMA is run by my good friend, Will Miller, and let me tell you, he is one of the best in the business. You can follow Brawl Talk on Instagram at Brawl Talk MMA and subscribe on YouTube. Let Will know I sent you. Alright, so now we are going to talk about this series with the Rays that finished up earlier today. Um, or excuse me, the Orioles that finished up earlier today. The, this one went a lot better than the Tampa Bay series. Obviously, you never want to get swept, but even though two out of three games against the Rays were close, I still didn't feel like the Red Sox were going to win any of them, but that's not the case in this Rays series. Or, gosh, I did it again, the Orioles series. So, game one was on Friday night, and the Orioles took this one by a score of 3-2. to two. Brian Bellow was the starter for the Red Sox. He went 5.1 innings, giving up three hits, three runs, walking four, and striking out seven. It was Austin Voff starting for the Orioles. He pitched four innings, giving up five hits, two runs, walking two, and striking out five. Jake Reed ended up taking the win for the Orioles as he pitched 1.1 innings, giving up no hits, no strikeouts, and no walks. And Bellow took the loss for the Red Sox. And then it was Dylan Tate picking up the save for the Orioles, his fourth of the year, as he pitched 1.1 innings, um, giving up no runs, striking out one, and not walking anyone. So in the top of the third inning, Xander Bogarts um, homered to right, which also scored Wong, and put the Red Sox up 2-0. But that was all the scoring from Boston on Friday night. As in the bottom of the sixth inning for the Orioles, Cedric Mullins scored on a wild pitch from Kyle Ort, which put Santander on second. And, yeah, it was just a really weird play. Mullins ended up scoring. And then, also in the sixth inning, Henderson singled to right, which scored Rutschman and Santander, and put putting the Orioles up 3-2. to two. And that was all the scoring in that one. So... Saturday was phenomenal. Um, one of my favorite Red Sox games in a while. I didn't see much of this one as I was watching the like Alabama-Texas game and some of the other big college football games that day, but I was flipping between it. Um, Michael Walkout did good. The whole Red Sox team did good as they won by a score of 17-4. to I can't remember the last time off the top of my head that the Red Sox just dominated like that, but it feels like it's been forever. As I mentioned, Michael Walkout was the pitcher. He went for six innings, giving up six hits, three runs, no walks, and striking out five. It was Jordan Lyles on the mound for the Orioles. He pitched 3.2 innings, giving up seven hits, eight runs, one walk, and one strikeout. And there was a lot of scoring in this game. Um, just pretty much any Red Sox you can think of did something. I'm just, Trevor Story had a phenomenal game, so I'm just going to kind of run off what he did. In the top of the fourth, he singled the right, which scored Xander Bogarts. In the top of the eighth, he singled the left, which scored Almonte. And in the top of the ninth, he, he was walked, which scored Almonte. So just a busy night for him, and just he did a lot. And so glad that, oh, he also scored in the ninth. 
from first base. So, so glad that Trevor Story seems to be back and healthy. This Red Sox team is a lot better with him. He's just so fun to watch, and I'm glad that he's going to be in Boston for years to come. Hopefully, we can say the same thing for Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts. But that's a topic for a later time. So, moving on to today, the Red Sox won 1-0. Rich Hill's on the mound. He picked up the win. He went for five innings, giving up no runs, striking out seven, and walking three. A really good day from Rich Hill. I was really pleased with the Red Sox pitching today. It was Kyle Bradish picking up the loss for the Orioles. Um, he pitched seven innings, giving up one run, striking out three, and walking two. I always hate when a guy has a day that really, he's not the reason they lost. You know, only giving up one run and seven innings and only two walks, like, that's phenomenal. So, not his fault that they lost. It was just, you know, the three hits and nine innings is what got them today. Matt Barnes picking up his fifth save of the year for Boston um, with one inning pitched, um, no runs, two strikeouts, no walks. And the, get this, the only offense in today's game, the only score, in the top of the first inning, Xander Bogarts hit a sack fly to center, which allowed Tommy Pham to come in. So in the top of the first inning, Red Sox scoring a sack fly and no more scoring. That's just, that's a real interesting game. It makes for a not very long game. Seven hits total and one air in nine innings. But nonetheless, a win is a win. So we're going to step away for another second. But when we come back, we're going to kind of talk about where the Red Sox stand this year. We're going to preview the two games against the Yankees on Tuesday and Wednesday night. And then we are going to preview the three-game set with the Royals, which will be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You're listening to the Focus on Fenway podcast. Do not go anywhere. Heading to a game at Fenway? Be sure to stop outside of Gate C and pick up a copy of the Yawkey Report. There are plenty of great articles, some written by your favorite podcast host, Daniel Locke, and so much more. You don't want to miss out on the best Red Sox program in town. All right, so the Red Sox, after sweeping the Orioles, or excuse me, taking two out of three against the Orioles this weekend, they currently sit at a record of 69 and 72. The Orioles are 73 and 67. So the Red Sox are four and a half games out of not being in last place anymore. The Yankees' lead has shrunk tremendously, as they are only five and a half games ahead of Tampa Bay at this point. So looking at the wild card, the Red Sox are 10 games out of the third wild card spot. So it looks like they, I kind of, I would like to see the Orioles in the playoffs instead of the Blue Jays if they could somehow catch up to them. Mainly because I I don't want the Red Sox to only be the, I I don't want the Red Sox to be the only AL East team not in the playoffs. That would just be, that, that would be really hard to watch. But 10 games out of the third wild card spot. I just, I just don't see it happening this year. I really don't. So, don't count on watching the Red Sox play in late October. It's just not going to happen this year. On the next year, and on Tuesday night against the Yankees, this one's a big deal. It's going to be on TBS, so a national broadcast Tuesday night at 6.10 p.m. Central, 7.10 p.m. Eastern. Nick Pavetta versus Garrett Cole. On the year, Pavetta is 9-11 with a 4.29 ERA, a 1.32 whip, 155.1 innings pitched, 146 hits, 148 strikeouts, and 59 walks. 
His last appearance was on Wednesday night against the Rays. He pitched five innings, giving up two hits, one run, walking three, and striking out three. On the other side, a guy who really needs no introduction for the Yankees, Garrett Cole. He is 11-7 on the year with a 3.20 ERA, a 1.02 whip, 171.1 innings pitched, 132 hits, 218 strikeouts, and 42 walks. His last appearance was on Wednesday night against the Minnesota Twins. He pitched 6.2 innings, giving up 5 hits, 1 run, 2 walks, and striking out 14. So, love him or hate him, a lot of Red Sox fans hate him. Garrett Cole's a beast. No, no of Sandra Butts. Man, man can pitch. So, moving on Wednesday night, same start time, but this one will be a local broadcast. You can catch it on Nesson or Yes Network or, like me, on MLB.tv. So it'll be Brian Bello on the mound for Red Sox on the year. 1-5 with a 5.79 ERA, a 1.74 whip, 37.1 innings pitched, 45 hits, 36 strikeouts, and 29 walks. Like I previously mentioned, his last outing came on Friday night against the Orioles. He pitched 5.1 innings, giving up 3 hits, 3 runs, um, walking 4 and striking out 7. So... He's getting better. I really feel like next year he'll be a lot better once he has just some more time under his belt and a whole major league offseason to kind of learn what he did wrong, learn what he can do better. So, On the other side for the Yankees, Frankie Montas. He is 5-12 and on the year, which I feel like does not really represent him well. I feel like he's actually he's a lot better than a 5-12 and record may imply. He is a 3.89 ERA, a 1.22 whip, 141 innings pitched, 133 hits, 140 strikeouts, and 39 walks. His last appearance came on Friday night against the Tampa Bay Rays, in which he pitched 5.2 innings, giving up 9 hits, 4 runs, um, walking 4, and striking out 4. So, Montas, obviously pretty good, so... Some of the Yankees' leaders, their leader in home runs, batting average, and runs batted in is Aaron Judge with 55, 307, and 121, respectively. He also has a .410 on base percentage and a .679 slugging percentage. So Aaron Judge has been that guy this year. I really hope he doesn't tear up the Red Sox too badly in this series against him, but... We'll just have to wait and see. So looking ahead to the three games with the Kansas City Royals this weekend, if you remember back, and I think it was early August, the Red Sox played out there in Kansas City and it just did not go well. So hopefully it goes better this time. The three games will be at Fenway Park. On Friday night, Michael Waka is on the mound. He is 11-1 on the year with a 2.69 ERA, a 1.03 whip, 107 innings pitched, 84 hits, 88 strikeouts, and 26 walks. Like I already mentioned, his last appearance was on Saturday when the Red Sox beat the Orioles 17-4. He pitched six innings, giving up six hits, three runs, um, no walks, and striking out five. On the other side for Kansas City, it'll be Jonathan Heasley. He is 3-8 on the year with a 5.51 ERA a 1.57 whip, 81.2 innings pitched, 89 hits, 57 strikeouts, and 39 walks. 
His last appearance was on Saturday against the Detroit Tigers. It's kind of funny, the way that the Royals' schedule's gone, both of his last appearances were against the Detroit Tigers. But anyway, the one on Saturday night, he pitched for four innings, giving up seven hits, seven runs, walking two, and not striking out anyone. So I definitely think the Red Sox take this one. They're definitely capable, and just the pitching matchup alone is puts the Red Sox at a significant advantage. So on Saturday afternoon, this one, 4-10, first pitch, Eastern Time, 3-10 Central. Um, Rich Hill's on the mound for the Red Sox. 7-6 on the year with a 4.56 ERA, a 1.32 whip, 102.2 innings pitched, 103 hits, 86 strikeouts, and 33 walks. His last appearance was on today against the Orioles where he pitched five innings, giving up two hits, no runs, and striking out three, and, or excuse me, striking out seven, walking three. On the other side, you have Brady Singer for the Royals. Singer's probably the Royals' best pitcher. He is 8-4 and four on the year with a 3.21 ERA, a 1.14 whip, 134.2 innings pitched, 123 hits, 131 strikeouts, and 31 walks. Singer's last appearance came on Monday, against the Cleveland Guardians. He pitched 6.1 innings, giving up nine hits, four runs, not walking anyone and striking out one. So once again, a pretty favorable matchup for the Red Sox. But if we drop one, I think it'll be game two. And then finishing off the series on Sunday, a week from today, first pitch is at 135 Eastern, 1235 Central. You can catch this one on ESPN+. Plus. Um, Nick Pavetta will be on the mound for the Red Sox. Chris Bubick on the mound for the Royals. Pavetta is 9-11 on the year with a 4.29 ERA, a 1.32 whip, 155.1 innings pitched, 146 hits, and 148 strikeouts, and 59 walks. Like I already mentioned, Pavetta's last appearance came on Wednesday night against the Tampa Bay Rays when he pitched five innings, giving up two hits, one run, walking three, and striking out three. Then on the other side for the Royals, Chris Bubick. He has had a pretty bad year, no offense. He is 2-11 on the year with a 5.40 ERA, a 1.64 whip, 111.2 innings pitched, 129 hits, 88 strikeouts, and 54 walks. Bubik's last start was on Tuesday night against the Cleveland Guardians. He pitched 6.1 innings, giving up six hits, three runs, one walk, and striking out four. So that's another very favorable matchup for the Red Sox. Hopefully they get that one. The Royals' leaders in home runs this year's catcher, Salvador Perez, with 20. I'm impressed that he's hung out in Kansas City that long, but... I guess once you have a World Series ring like you got in 2015, there's just you don't really feel that need to chase anything else. So you just didn't feel a need to leave. Then leading batting average and runs batted in is Bobby Witt Jr. at shortstop. He is hitting 249 on the year and has 71 RBIs. He also has 20 homers. And he has an on-base percentage of .292 and a slugging percentage of .441. So... Bobby Witt Jr. could very easily be leading all three categories for the Royals, but Salvador Perez is still right there with him, holding on by a thread. 
And that is going to be about all the time we have for Focused on Finway tonight. I'll speak to you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Focused on Fenway podcast. I had a great time keeping you informed on everything going on with the Boston Red Sox. Please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Focused on Fenway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Have a great rest of your night, and I'll speak with you soon.